So we started a series two weeks ago, and the series is called Mythbusters, and our, our objective here is to take the most common myths that we hear from people about church and, and basically challenge them with Scripture, with the Word of God, and then debunk these myths because here's the point that by and large in the United States there are a lot of people who have an improper view uh, um, uh, improper view of what church is or what church should be and in a lot of cases they've been wounded or hurt or there's been things that have happened that have given them the wrong impressions but then that kind of becomes their, their view or their lens, if you will, that they see things through. And an improper view of God that's represented by an improper view of church can, can hurt and harm a lot of the ways that people grow in their relationship with God. Are you with me? It's kind of like if you had one bad meal at a restaurant, that doesn't mean every meal that you're going to have is going to be bad. But a lot of times we tend to think that that's it. You know, it's, it's like it's over now. So if somebody has one bad idea of church or one bad experience or misconception about something, it can begin to taint a lot of the ways that they see church uh, from, from everything that they come in contact with, with, with God's people with. It makes sense? So what we want to do is we want to look at what does the authentic church look like? You know, Jesus died and gave... To establish his church and he gave her his spirit and he gave her power and he meant for her to be a force to be reckoned with a force that would sweep across the land and begin to you know cause other people to come into this awesome relationship with Jesus Christ in this purposeful life that he's called us to and so we want to be that church in our world today so that we can make the impact that God is calling us to make, right? Now, I wanted to start out by reading a verse that we read a few weeks ago when we started out in Matthew chapter 16. And it says here in verse 18, Jesus said to, to Peter after he answered him, and he said, uh, he, Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? And, and Peter said that you are Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. And he says, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Shall not prevail. Now, when you study that word prevail, it means to basically get the upper hand, to begin to conquer, to overtake. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, the church that I'm getting ready to establish here is, a, is the church that hell is not going to be able to keep from advancing my will and building my kingdom here on earth now it's interesting when you start to look at churches in the united the church by and large in the united states and from what statisticians tell us the church as far as members and participation and attendance and everything else has been declining for a number of years in the United States that the church some say is dying now we know that that's not true but that's the impression that we get when we look at the landscape of what's happening in the United States my point here is it's most certainly not a reflection of what Jesus was saying about his church in this scripture when he said the gates of Hades will not prevail against it now you look at a country like China for example very interesting China is a communist nation, right? But yet China 
is experiencing some of the most widespread moves of Christianity that's ever been seen. Listen to this. In 1940, there were uh, 1 million, 1949, approximately 1 million Christians in China. In 2010, there's been a movement there. There are 58 million Christians in 2010 in China. And they're on pace at the rate that they're seeing the conversions and, and widespread move of Christianity on pace in 2030 to have nearly 250 million who profess Christ. So what is my point, guys? It's hallelujah, right? What is my point is that this is a communist nation that we are seeing the church advance and move and spread all out across the land. It's obviously the power of the church is not hindered by the opposition of external forces if she's on a move and God is moving things, right? And so we look at the United States and we're a free nation, free nation. We've got freedom of religion. We've got all these awesome things, yet somehow we see that the stats are that the church is dwindling and, and dying down here in the U.S. And I don't know about you, I, it's just not okay. That is not okay. This church that Jesus is saying, he's saying the gates of Hades are not going to prevail against it. It's not going to hold it back, not going to keep it from moving. The church that Jesus set up is one that's meant to be on a move, growing and reaching people at all levels of society on a constant basis. And that's the church that we're contending for. So then we look at here, our, our series of myths, and we went through, does anybody, was anybody keeping track of where we were on what number? I think we had like seven of them so far, right? Seven so far. Okay. So we are going to take a look at the next myth that we're going to attempt to debunk. And this one, number eight, is that church is all about rules. Is all about rules. Now, in a lot of these situations where you see these common myths, and these are from lots of surveys and research and stuff that's been done and, and people have been polled, that a lot of times you can understand how people could get some of these wrong impressions, right, and these misconceptions about things. And so when you think church is all about rules, there has been, and, and, and there a lot of it had taken place kind of in the, the mid-1900s, but sort of this like fire and brimstone mentality where it was sort of viewed that if we preach this thing of people are going to have to, if they don't follow these rules and they don't abide by all of these things, that they're going to be distant from God and they're going to go to hell. And it's just, it's almost like this very unhealthy kind of fear that began to pervade a lot of the church in the United States, right? And it's, and it was a list of all these rules and it was like one rule begot another rule begot another rule. And before you know it, you have all these man-made rules that have somehow come out in the development of the church and that people began to think, well, church is about, I have to go there to make sure I'm following all of these rules. 
And so then there's this misconception that, you know, well, if, I, if I'm going to go to church, all I'm going to do is be told about rules and I'm going to be, you know, taught how uh, if I'm not following them, there's all these scary things that are going to happen. Now, let me ask you something. I'm no genius, right? But if you're, if you're a young generation, what is possibly going to compel you to want to follow that, to want to embrace that, and to want to step into that as how you view God. What kind of view does that give you of God? Because we know that none of us are capable of following all of these rules all the time, right? So, so if we want to raise up a younger generation that is going to love God and serve God, follow Him, walk in his ways, I, I, I promise you, and I believe that you agree with me, when, the, when young people get out on their own and begin to live their life, if all they know of God is a list of rules that they were taught they had to follow to be close to him, to be with him, then there's nothing that's going to keep them close to him whenever they begin to step out there. But if they embrace a relationship, with a loving father who gives us grace and forgiveness and they actually know for themselves Jesus they have a personal relationship with him then whenever they begin to walk out and live the life that God has called them to they will not drift away from that are you with me and so when you think about it with rules if it's brought in the wrong context like you have to follow these rules in order to somehow be close to God or in order for God to you know love you or for you to have his blessing then a lot of times what happens is it drives a wedge between people and then growing closer to God. And I am, I, I, I hate that the church is responsible years back for a lot of that and how that happened. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. But here's the thing. When it comes to rules, I mean, God does give us commands, does he not? He does tell us how to live. But here's the point, and this is the way that I believe that the Bible lays this out for us. It's not about rules fought for rules sake because rules and, and inability to follow all the rules, all that does is bring condemnation. Now, the Bible is very clear that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We can't be condemned because we've already been forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? So anything that brings condemnation in the way that it's taught, in the way that it's advocated, can't be from God. Because there's no condemnation in Christ. So what is it about rules and about, I should say, commands and ways of living that God has charged us to that we can understand? It's this. Righteousness, in order, it meaning right standing and right living with God, is brought about by God's grace. He actually empowers us and gives us the ability to live the life and to be obedient and to follow out the commands that he's given us. So it's only by receiving his love and his grace and then walking in that, then we're, in, we're strengthened and empowered to begin to live the way that God has called us to live. But even more, there is a desire that burns within us to want to live that life and to want to live that way. Does that make sense? So we receive grace and we walk with this loving God 
And we have a desire to live righteously, and he empowers us to do that. See, rules don't sanctify, and rules don't make us right with God, following rules. Only the Holy Spirit can do that, can forgive us and cleanse us, and then be able to empower us to live out the life that God has called us to live. So we know in Hebrews, I want to read this scripture to you, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So we know that it is important to live rightly and to live properly, right? We have to have an effective uh, life behind our witness. But I think that the point that I'm trying to address here is that if we, if we have a view or it's even taught or preached that church is all about following a list of rules to somehow earn or merit anything, then none of us will ever be capable of attaining that. We have to come into a revelation of that gift of grace that we receive by faith and then allow God's Spirit to change and transform us from the inside out as we walk with Him, which empowers us and enables us to be able to live and reflect the life that God is calling us to live. People loving Jesus, serving Him, living obediently to Him, not because there's a list of rules that they're trying to follow, but because they love God so much that there's a desire to serve Him and there's a faith that we can walk in obedience because He empowers us and enables us to do that. Are you with me? So, church is all about rules debunked. One more time. Church is all about rules debunked. Awesome. All right. Let's go to the next one. Where are we at? Uh, okay. Church is optional. So, you know, there's a lot of people that feel like you don't have to go to church, right? Now, I want to try to take a minute to, to break this down and unpack this for you because in all reality, it's not by going to church that we are saved or that we receive any of our salvation or our gifts that God has given us. But what the mentality that I'm trying to, I guess, address here and debunk is the, the thought process that somehow we don't need church in order to really live out the life that God has called us to live. Meaning, you know, there's a lot of people that nowadays their church is, is TV, is TV church, right? And, and watching services online. And listen, 
I love a great podcast as much as the next person. A great church service on TV as much as the next person. I do. I love it. And there's a lot of things that we can get from that. But what we have to understand is that the definition of church, the way that God gives it to us, is about community. And it's about a fellowship. And it's about belonging to a body of believers. Now, if you read in Hebrews chapter 10... Verse 24, it says here, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another as so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, so the author of Hebrews is, is really challenging us and laying this out. He's saying, look, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Coming together like this in a place of community where we all are brothers and sisters in Christ and we are adding to one another's lives, sharpening each other in the way that we're doing life together. Now, when you look at the word forsake, it's interesting. It means that you would deny something to the point of lack that you are going without interesting isn't it that means if we are not engaging in the fellowship of community in a body of believers like this that there's something that we're actually denying ourselves that we're lacking in our spirit that God has really created us to have and it's part of the way that he raises us up strong in in him in order to fulfill the purposes that he has for our lives so the, the point that I would submit to you is that it's really impossible to fully realize the potential in the calling on our lives if we are totally separated, disengaged, and not part of a body of believers that come together on a regular basis. And what I'm not saying is when somebody doesn't go to church on Sunday because they were on vacation or there's th things going on and they can't miss church. That's not what I'm talking about. And that's where the misconceptions start to come in, right? Like, oh, if I didn't make it, then somehow that's wrong. What I'm saying is, is that the mentality that church is optional or even more so that other things would actually take priority over that in our lives is not what God explains to us. He's saying, listen, I've created you as a member of a body. And he says that all of the members play a role, have a function. And then as they play that role and have a function, they actually edify or build up and strengthen one another as a whole. Does that make sense? So you and I, by being members of a body connected together, we are all receiving and being strengthened, but we are also actually all contributing at the same time with what God has supernaturally put in each of us. And it's making an impact on what's happening collectively in us and what we're called to do outside of our gathering together as a community is very much dependent upon what we receive whenever we do come together on a regular and consistent basis. Are you with me? And, and this is the thing that ha I see sometimes too. It's like you find people that are, uh, you know, what you would, I sometimes don't like these words because they, but like mature Christians, you know, and, uh, and, and so they're mature Christians. They've walked with God for a long time, but they don't belong to any kind of church. 
Now, I'm just sorry if this offends you, but I'd, I have a problem with that because I don't think that's the way that God has set this thing up. I think we all have to be a part of a body and a community of believers. Even the strongest and most mature Christians need each other in order to strengthen and sharpen them in a whole lot of ways, right? I was jogging the other day. I was on you know, uh, taking a jog and it was sunny and it was one of those, more, it got warmer in the afternoons, like in the 80s and the sun's beaming down on the blacktop. And as I'm jogging, you know, you still got all these, these grasshoppers uh, jumping and running, right? And as soon as you get close to them, they take off. And so I'm just running and I don't know why, but these things have got my attention and there goes one, there goes one. I mean, I'm seeing every grasshopper that comes along and grasshoppers are fast, they're quick, they can get away from you, right? But I was jogging and I all of a sudden I see a grasshopper sitting on what looks like to be a rock and whenever I get up to it it didn't move and I almost stepped on it and then the rock jumped while the grasshopper caught a ride on its back and I was like that's weird and I looked a little closer it was a frog <laughs> so so it was like a grasshopper that could have got away was actually sitting on this frog that was much slower much less likely to be able to jump out of the way, but it caught a ride on this frog, right? And I was just thinking, I'm like, isn't that true? How even the strongest of us, even those of us who have walked with God, who have been strengthened and built up over many, many years, who, wherever that's at, still need each other in this place of community to be able to help us to continue to persevere and move forward in all that God has called us to. And I don't know if that was a great analogy for you, but whenever I was, I'm like, oh, that's going to go perfect in my message. I'm not thinking you agree with me on that, but yeah. So anyway, so, you know, this, the idea that church is optional, last, last example here, but it, it talks about how, you know, we're all members of a body, right? Playing a function. I talked about that. And if you take a part of a body, like a hand or, or whatever, it doesn't serve a whole lot of purpose if it's separated from the body and it's just kind of isolated out on its own. It's like, what is it for now? It's serving its full purpose, right? When it's connected to the whole body, performing a function, but flowing with everything else that the body is doing. A hand over here by itself is really useless, right? You take like, an organ and in an organ a lot of times they can keep an organ ready for a, a donor a donor list right and then they implant the organ and then whenever it's in a body now it begins to serve a function and have a purpose I mean the liver doesn't get up one morning and say you know what I think I'm gonna sit this one out today I think it's optional today yeah I don't think so so there the the members of the body are always serving the the fullness of their function when they're connected and playing a role in the body as a whole does that make sense and guys we're no different I mean we're, we're not that's why he uses analogies like members of a body and playing having a purpose when we're connected here together in community like this and and making this a priority it's not like something that you know we might get to or I hope I can I might have time for it I mean that's really the mentality that I'm trying to, to come against you know is that church and community is is important it's critical to our walk in this life as believers to really rising up strong to be all God has created us to be and God designed it this way he could have did it differently he could have said everybody's gonna live on their own little island and it's gone all that's all that's ever gonna ever need to be 
but he didn't. He didn't. He set it up where we were all part of a body and we needed one another in order to really be this church that Jesus has called us to be. And that that is a reflection of what Christ empowered us to have so that he could reach a lost and dying and hurting world. Amen? Now, I have to apologize. I'm not going to finish today. And I know, I know I'm just, I'm, I'm truly sorry. Like I said this three times and I, you're just never going to believe a word I say again. So I'm not going to finish today. We're going to have one more week because I've got two or three more. But listen, let's stand to our feet this morning and Our whole purpose in this, guys, is that what I pray is that God just kind of gets a hold of us and, and, and stirs up a passion in us to really strive to be this church that Jesus died to establish. Because as we move forward in power and, and, and authenticity, of what the church is supposed to be it's the answer it's the solution to a hurting and a lost and dying world i mean you look out at what's going on in in our nation now and i don't have to go through all that you know but i mean imagine the church in the u.s all of a sudden seeing stats like what they're seeing in china imagine if all of a sudden headlines Church is making a turn in the United States. She's swinging back around. We're starting to see things that represent revival here. There's a widespread awakening. All of a sudden, immorality is like starting to decrease. People are starting to turn away from all these wicked, evil things. What can we accredit this to? Well, the church is exploding in the United States. Churches are opening. Churches are growing. More and more people are professing to know Christ. Would that not give him the glory that he deserves? I'm just, I'm just a guy who has hope in one thing for our nation, and that's that God is going to get a hold of this place again. And I know that it's going to have to begin in the lives of her members, in the lives of the members of the church, living authentically the way that Jesus has empowered us to live, as a gift of grace, but empowered to walk it out. Amen.